See, I'm one who believe that the closer you get to the Almighty, the more you will be tested. The only thing that enable us to pass the test is to know the difference between his commands in obeying them and disobeying them. Because I'm going to tell you something. All of us are constantly being tested because we've been given the instructions. The only thing that protects us is obeying the commandments. And within obeying the commandments, there are guarantees. The guarantees are the blessings, brothers and sisters. But the blessings are associated with obedience. Shalom, saints, and welcome to our verse-by-verse study of the book of Genesis. I'm your host and teacher, Arthur Bailey. In a nutshell, there are blessings associated with obeying the commandments of God. There are consequences for disobedience. Isaac went into the land of Abimelech, king of the Philistines, during the time of the famine and contemplated going down to Egypt to escape the famine. But Jehovah appeared to him and told him not to go. When Father tells us to do something or not to do something, that is a commandment. When we obey the commandment Father gives us, we can expect the outcome Father has associated with that commandment. When we disobey the command Father gives us, we will face the consequences that Father was trying to protect us from. Today's study title is The Blessings of Obeying God's Commandments. So, let's study. As I said, we're in Genesis chapter 26. We're going to go through verse 1 through 14, and we're going to be dealing with the blessings of obeying God's commandments. And one of the things, as I shared with you on past Sabbath, that I've kind of incorporated, trying to break down the teaching in a nutshell. And so if I could put this in a nutshell, there are blessings associated with obeying the commandments of Elohim, and there are consequences for disobedience. Now, this seems like it would be a (laughs) no-brainer, but interestingly, it's not a no-brainer because people have a tendency to associate their faith and their relationship with the blessings, and there is a distinction. We cannot or should not confuse our relationship with Jehovah, with the blessings of Jehovah. And I want to point out a few things here that I believe people will really get. How many of you know that when Father brought the Babylonians in to take the children of Israel into bondage, into captivity, that he went with them into Babylon? He was in Babylon with them while they were in bondage. And so we don't want to confuse him being with us with his blessings. And that's what I want to point out here. Jehovah can be with you while you're in bondage. 
Jehovah can be with you while you're sick. He can be with you while you are suffering hardship and poverty. Jehovah can be with you while you are dealing with life-threatening disease. Jehovah's blessings are associated with obedience. And the curses of Jehovah are associated with disobedience. It's difficult sometimes for people to grasp the fact that your relationship does not protect you from the curses. Your relationship does not guarantee blessings. It is those who obey Jehovah, as we, when we went through Deuteronomy 28, talks about all of these blessings will come upon those who obey his commands. But likewise, will all these curses come upon those who disobey his command or fail to hearken unto uh, his commandments? How many of you know that when your children are disobedient, doesn't mean you abandon them. (laughs) They just don't experience the blessings that come from obeying. In fact, because you love them, you discipline them. You correct them. You correct them because they need correction. (laughs) And the correction is because you love them. (laughs) But just because you love them don't mean that they automatically are entitled to blessings because the blessings are associated with their obeying your instructions. (laughs) So you can have a relationship with the Almighty and still not experience the blessings of the Almighty. It has nothing to do with your heaven or your hell. (laughs) It has nothing to do with you spend your eternity. It has a lot to do with your experience of his protection and blessings in this life. In verse 1 of Genesis chapter 26, and we're going to see there was a famine in the land beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went unto Abimelech, king of the Philistines, unto Gerar. This past week, this past couple of weeks, actually, man, it seemed like these past months, there has been earthquakes. There has been fires that are out of control. (laughs) There have been all kinds of of natural disasters that have taken place, hurricanes that have devastated cities. I'm finding out that in certain parts of Kenya right now, there are locusts that are devastating the harvest, the food supply, I mean, locusts is so vast, you can hardly see because they're just traveling through Kenya. And so there's wars going on. There's famine. There's pestilence. There's earthquakes. There's natural disasters. I mean, there's all kinds of things that are going on in countries where people claim to have relationship (laughs) with the Most High. The word here, Abimelech, it means, Abi means father, Melech means king, and so Abimelech means my father 
is king. Father is king. My father is king. It is a name, but it is also a title. And there are four, and I put this slash five because this Abimelech that Isaac is going to be dealing with, it is not clear whether or not it's the same Abimelech that Abraham dealt with because in the Philistine community, Abimelech was like the name of the ruler. It was like Pharaoh to the Egyptians, you see. And so it could have been the name of a king or the title, because when one pharaoh died, another pharaoh take control is two different pharaohs, but it's pharaoh. So it doesn't make the distinction like Caesar, like president. Did she just say that? Pope, like Pope. Okay. Still a Pope. And so. There are four to five men called Abimelech in the Bible. One, king of Gerar, that was during Abraham and Isaac's time, could have been the king. It could have been the son of the king. It could have been the grandson of the king that Abraham dealt with. Two, king of Gath. This is during David's time. And again, maybe title of a Philistine king. And then three, son of Gideon which was by a concubine and for a priest name, which was the son of Abiathar. So Abimelech was a title as well as a name. Abimelech, the title was conferred on the king, as I said, just like as Pharaoh. And the first Abimelech mentioned was king during Abraham's day. And if they are in relations uh, to Abraham and the second Abimelech was ruler during Isaac's day, and likely the son or grandson of the first Abimelech. Isaac went into the land of Abimelech, king of the Philistines. And interestingly enough, he was already in the land of Abimelech. But what the passage is going to show us is that father leads him into a specific area. Because if you remember, he came from a place, a whale, Leharoi, when Rebecca was brought to him and he dwelt, but then he was living in that area. But then he took her into Sarah's tent and he was comforted. And so whether Sarah lived in Leharoi or her tent was in Leharoi, see, there are things in the Bible that is not necessarily clear to us. But if you look at them, you know, it gives you bits and pieces. And now you're going to have to put those pieces together as best you can. And so Isaac went into the land of Abimelech, king of the Philistines, during the time of the famine. And he was thinking about going down to Egypt to escape the famine. But Jehovah appeared unto him and told him not to go, but to stay in the land, in the area that he would tell him of. So he's in an area and he's a, he goes to Gerar and he goes Unto King Abimelech, he's contemplating continuing to Egypt. Father says, no, don't go. I'm going to show you where I want you to go. And in verse two, it says, and Jehovah appeared unto him and said, 
go not down into Egypt. So this indicate to us that Isaac was contemplating going to Egypt because you'll find that like Abraham, Abraham went to Egypt during a famine. Isaac was looking to go to Egypt during a famine. There was a famine in Jacob's time. And so Jacob sent his sons into Egypt. (laughs) Joseph was in Egypt and Israel all ended up in Egypt. Why? Because of a famine. So it seemed as if the Egyptians had the productivity, the ability to withstand these famines. And we know that the Nile River ran through Egypt and it was very, very plush. So for some reason, Uh, During the famine in the desert where there is no water, those lands that had lots of water like Egypt and even in, in Babylon because you had the Euphrates River and then you had the Nile River in Egypt. And father said he was going to give Abraham and his descendants all the land in between those two. And so he says, go not down into Egypt, dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of. So he's saying, I'm going to show you, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to lead you, I'm going to put you in a particular place. And here's where it's important to obey. You see, when Father tells us to do something or not to do something, that is a commandment. When people hear commandments, they think of the Ten Commandments or they think of the Torah or the, the law. But when Father speaks to you and give you an instruction, that's a command. That's a personal command for you. And so he says to Isaac, do not go to Egypt. I'm going to show you where to go. And so whenever Father speaks, he knows the purpose behind what he is commanding, although we may not know the reason he is giving an instruction. Sometimes father asks us to do something and he doesn't give us the whole picture. He gives us a piece. Go here. You go there. He may give you additional instruction. But the thing we can depend on is that father knows the plan as he revealed to the prophet Jeremiah. We might not know the plan, but he knows the plan. And he says to Jeremiah, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you. Saith Jehovah. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. So if father is telling you to do something, you have to believe that he has your best interest at heart. He is not saying to us to do something that is going to bring harm or destruction. And if he tell us not to do something, he's trying to protect us from harm or destruction without necessarily telling us why he's giving us those instructions. It's like the old folks used to say, because I said so. (laughs) That's the only explanation you get, because I said so. It's like, I don't have to explain to you why I'm telling you not to do something or explain to you why I'm telling you to do something. You do it because I said so. When we obey the commandment father gives us, we can expect the outcome father has associated with that commandment. 
when we disobey the command Father gives us, we will face the consequences Father was trying to protect us from. And here again is why it's so critical for us to know how Father speaks to us. It's so important for us to know his voice. So when he does speak, we can hearken, we can shema, we can obey what he's saying to us. Because I found if Father told you to be over there, being over here is a dangerous place to be. <laughs> where he says be is where his protection is. Where he says go is where his provisions are. And so you have to be in line and in tune with him so that he can get you to the place of blessing. Verse three. So he says, don't go. I'm going to tell you the place. Sojourn in this land and I will be with thee and I will bless thee for unto thee, unto thy seed, I will give all these countries that were land. And I will perform the oath which I swear unto Abraham thy father. And I will multiply, I will make thy seed to multiply as the stars of heaven and will give unto thy seed all these countries and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Now this is what he spoke to Abraham. And what we see here is that the blessings of Abraham now is being the opportunities for Abraham's seed to experience the promise that Abraham was given is tied up in the seed obeying the master. Let's show you here. The blessing of obeying Jehovah's command in this case was, Jehovah said, he would be with Isaac. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Him being with you doesn't necessarily mean <laughs> he's going to bless you. He can protect you and keep the devil from destroying you, just like he sent the devil to Job's house. He was with Job, <laughs> but the devil was sent to Job's house. Are you getting this? So Job suffered, but the Almighty was with Job. And, and it wasn't in this particular situation, it wasn't because Job had done something wrong, but it was because Job had done some things right. <laughs> in other words, the devil says, you know, Job know where his blessings come from. But if you take all them blessings away from you, he'll curse you. To your face. You see, but Job wasn't that kind of brother. Some people's relationship with the Almighty, as long as the Almighty is doing good stuff. Now, it's hard for us to fathom the devil would be sent to our house by the Almighty. But we got to understand something, brothers and sisters, because I believe there's a correlation between. Uh, Jehovah sending the devil to Job's house and the Holy Spirit leading Yeshua into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. See, I'm one who believe that the closer you get to the Almighty, the more you will be tested. The only thing that enable us to pass the test is to know the difference between his commands in obeying them and disobeying them. Because I'm going to tell you something, all 
all of us are constantly being tested because we've been given the instructions. The only thing that protects us is obeying the commandments. And within obeying the commandments, there are guarantees. The guarantees are the blessings, brothers and sisters. But the blessings are associated with obedience. So he says, the blessings is associated here. Jehovah said he would be with Isaac. Jehovah said he would bless Isaac. So he says, I'm going to be with you, but I'm not just going to be with you. I'm also going to bless you. And then he says, I'm going to give Isaac all this land, all these countries. But that's not all. But I want to take a moment here and point out to you that at this particular point, the Philistines are ruling the land Whereas by the time the children of Israel come out of Egypt, it will be the land of Canaan. But at this particular point, Abimelech is the king of the Philistines and the Philistines are ruling the land that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob will dwell in. And then they're going to go into Egypt. They're going to spend a number of years there in Egypt. And then they're going to be brought back into the land and then they're going to sojourn in the wilderness. And then under Joshua's leadership, they're going to be taken in the land to destroy all of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amalekites, and, and all of the other kinds of ites that have now, you know, what you're going to see if you look at the geography and the history that the land underwent change of rulers and based on wars and powerful kingdoms and over the course of history, kingdoms have risen and kingdoms have fallen. Kingdoms have come and kingdoms have gone. And typically the kings and the kingdoms and the empires that have lasted have been those who had great powerful armies and history shows that the Philistines were treacherous people. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, David and Goliath. Goliath was from these people. <laughs> and even after Goliath was destroyed, the Philistines still harassed Israel. And so these were a warlike people. They had vast armies. They had a, a, a system of government that paled only to Egypt. Egypt had a tremendous system because, again, you know, Egypt was the breadbasket of the world during famines. Jehovah would perform the oath he sworn to Abraham. So he's talking to Isaac. I'm going to, the oath I sworn to Abraham, I'm going to perform in your life, Isaac. But here's the, the caveat. Stay in the land. Don't go down to Egypt. Jehovah would multiply his seed. And this seed, we know, it is Jacob, is Israel, because Isaac had Esau and Jacob. But what you're going to find, brothers and sisters, is that by the time we get to Paul's writing, Paul, now, after his revelation, have realized that when Father spoke to Abraham about the seed, 
The question was, how was Father going to bless the nations of the world via the seed of Abraham? And here's where some people have gotten it mixed up. They've gotten it mixed up because they conclude that the manifestation of Father's promise of blessing the world would be through Israel, the people, the land, and now the Jews. And get me, understand something. What Father was speaking is that he was speaking very specific, but it wasn't understood to be very specific. And so people now associate the promise spoken to Abraham as manifesting in Israel and that he would bless the world through the Jewish people. We're going to see here that in his seed, all nations of the earth would be blessed. And this blessing is manifest in Yeshua. This is where Galatians 3.16 come in. He says, now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He said, not and to seeds as of many, but as of one to thy seed, which is Messiah. The world is not blessed because of Israel or the Jewish people. The promise that he gave to Abraham would manifest through faith in Yeshua. Now, I didn't write this, but it's a fact. And what we find is that Abraham had many sons, but Messiah didn't come through Abraham's many sons. The Messiah came through one, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And at that point, remember now, Jacob's name was changed to Israel. So it wasn't that the seed came through Israel. The seed came specifically through the line of Judah. Not through Levi, not through Naphtali or Benjamin, but through Judah all the way down to Messiah. And this is what Paul, now Paul didn't understand this when he was operating in Judaism. Because why? He persecuted the Messiah. He persecuted the followers of Messiah. But through understanding, study, and revelation, Father revealed to him that that which he persecuted was the method by which his blessings came from. How do you persecute your old blessing? <laughs> See, they didn't know it. They were destroying the very blessing, the promise that the Almighty, and even to this day, by persecuting followers of Messiah who keep the commandments and have faith in Yeshua. See, the Jews say, listen, if you're going to keep our commandments, then you can't have that Jesus. The Christians say, if you're going to have our Jesus, then you're going to have to abandon them commandments. <laughs> they both got it twisted. Not even realizing that the commandments is what brings the blessing. Messiah brings the salvation. The commandments bring the blessing. Don't confuse your salvation with your blessings. Father explained to Isaac why he was doing these things. Verse 5, he says, because that Abraham obeyed my voice 
and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. Now, now get the conversation. He says, Isaac, do not go down to Egypt, sojourn in this land, and I'm going to do these things. And the promise that I made to Abraham, I'm going to perform. Now, why am I telling you this, Isaac? Because see, here's the deal, brothers and sisters. And as we've been going through John, it becomes more clear what Yeshua was saying to the Jewish people when he was teaching them. You see, what he was saying is that just like father is saying to Isaac, says, Isaac, listen, your daddy, Abraham, obeyed me. Now, understand something. Isaac had two boys. He had Esau and he had Jacob. Esau vexed his parents. You see this? Esau vexed his parents. Jacob honored his mom or honored his parents. His mama told him to lie. Well, we, I'm jumping ahead. So let me not jump ahead. But father explains to Isaac why he was doing these things. He says, because Abraham obeyed my voice. Abraham kept my charge. Abraham kept my commandments. Abraham kept my statues. And Abraham kept my laws. Basically, father was saying, if you are Abraham's seed, you will obey my voice. You will keep my charge. You'll keep my commandments. You'll keep my statutes. You'll keep my laws just like Abraham did. So Yeshua says to the Jews in his day, says, you say you are Abraham's seed, but Abraham didn't behave like that. If you were Abraham's seed, you would do what Abraham did. But because you say you're Abraham's seed, Abraham wasn't a murderer. Your behavior is reflective of the murderer. And we know who the murderer is. He's the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So your behavior, your attitudes, your nature and spirit is not the nature and spirit of Abraham, but the nature and spirit of the devil. And so he can say, your daddy is the devil. Why? Look at your fruit. Your fruit is the work of the devil. That's not the work of the spirit. That's not what Abraham did. Abraham wasn't like that. And so if you're Abraham's seed, you will do what Abraham did. Isaac, Abraham obeyed me. Abraham followed my instructions. Abraham kept my charge. Just like Abraham, Isaac followed Abraham, even to the point when he said his wife was his sister. And the men of the place, verse 7, asked him of his wife. And he said, she is my sister. We've been there before, haven't we? For he feared to say in the same reason, she is my wife. Lest said he, the men of the place should kill me for Rebekah because she was fair to look upon. Now, what you don't see here is how does Isaac know to say this? Where do you think he would get something like that from? Because see, if Abraham is teaching, if Abraham is going to teach his children, I can imagine Abraham saying, you know what? I was in Ur and I heard this voice. 
And, you know, he's telling his children his testimony as to how he got to know the Almighty. And when I left Ur, because, you know, I'd never been into, I never left Ur. I've never left my father's house. You know, my dad went with me. My brother was deceased. I took his son, which is my nephew, and possibly my wife, Sarah, was my brother's son. And so, you know, we kind of laid some of that out because Abraham says that she is the daughter of my father, but not of my mother, which puts speculation that Abraham father and Abraham's mother indicates that Abraham's father may have had a concubine or another woman. And we know that from where, as we go forward, that where, where Abraham came from, it was not unusual for men to have concubines, except Abraham wasn't that kind of guy. However, Sarah understood that. So she could bring Abraham a concubine and not have any ill or guilt or thought about it because that was a custom where they came from. This is how Jacob ends up with four wives or two wives and two concubines. It wasn't unusual for that, you see. And so Abraham is telling his story. And then, you know, he's telling them, when we left Ur, I said to my wife, we're going to be going into some strange cities. You're a beautiful woman. Men are going to look at you. They're going to say, she's fair. Say you're my sister. If you say you're my sister, then what is going to, what is going to save my life? And so he's telling these stories to his, his seed. <laughs> and now here they are in a similar situation. Isaac is saying, she's my sister, when in fact, she's his wife. And the men of the, the place asked, and he said, she's my sister, for he feared to say she is my wife. Let's said he, the men of the place should kill me for Rebekah, because she was fair to look upon. And although Isaac obeyed Jehovah, he still dealt with the spirit of fear. See, Father has not given us a spirit of fear, but love, power, and a sound mind. And just as you can have relationship with the Almighty and not walk in the blessing, you can have faith in the Almighty and still deal with fear. You can have faith in the Almighty and still struggle with addictions. You can have faith in the Almighty and still, you know, not tell the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help you. <laughs> because we're still dealing with the flesh. We're still dealing with this, this human nature. And the goal is to continue to put this human nature down to the point to where the human nature doesn't interfere with our spirit man as we become mature in Messiah. And that's the beauty. Becoming mature in Messiah, obeying the Almighty, because see, Abraham understood something from early on. When he obeyed the Almighty, even with his flaws, Father blessed him. See, even with your flaws, Father can bless you. Being, walking in his commands, his instructions, Abraham obeyed his, his commands. Abraham obeyed his laws. Abraham obeyed his statutes. But Abraham was flawed, right? Doesn't mean you're perfect. Because, see, the people who, who look at you and you're trying to keep his commands, they think, okay, well, you should be perfect. You should do everything right. Well, we're not there yet, but at least we're working and headed in that direction. You see, 
people who say these things aren't even headed in this direction. Why? Because why am I going down that road? It's impossible to go down that road. It's impossible. It's impossible. People say it's impossible to keep all them laws. And yet the Bible says with God, all things are possible. And if you can believe all things are possible. So what are they saying? Even through the confession and the testimony, they are putting impossibilities in front of them. And therefore, with those impossibilities, what's the point of even trying? It's impossible to keep them laws. Do you mean that that is impossible for you to tell the truth? It's impossible for you not to commit adultery. It's impossible for you not to fornicate. It's impossible for you not to steal. Because that is a command. That is a law. And what if you can't keep those laws, are you saying that if I can't keep any of them, I can break them all? Well, no, brother, I'm not saying that. Well, what are you saying? Because just as you break one, you say you've breaking them all. For you not to even try to keep them is to say you're not going to do any of them. And then here's the old classic where they were not for us to keep in the first place. Okay, let's go with that. So you're saying that you can lie. Well, no, bro. No, no, because liars are not going to inherit the kingdom. So you're saying that you can sleep with animals. Because there's no, there's nothing in the New Testament saying you can't sleep with no dog. Right? And believe it or not, humans had to make laws for people who like sleeping with dogs. <laughs> you know, sleeping with asses. No, no pun intended. <laughs> anyway. Some of the arguments people make are just so dumb. Is imbecilic a word? It is a word, imbecilic. <laughs> and so, like all people who fabricate the truth, tell partial truth, a flat-out lie, the things done in darkness will eventually come to the light. And if nothing else, you'll stand before judgment with it. And you don't want to be standing before judgment with lies. Because lies will not inherit the kingdom. And some people, they say, I'm going to take this lie to my grave. You don't want to do that. Because if you take the lie to your grave, then the lie is sealed with you in the grave. In the resurrection, the, lie, the lies that you took to your grave will resurrect with you. <laughs> Ouch. So that's a guaranteed forfeiture of passing through those Pearly gates. <laughs> Genesis 26, 8. And it came to pass when he had been there a long time that Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out at his window and saw, and behold, Isaac was sporting with Rebekah, his wife. Now, here we are in Genesis chapter 26. And based on these passages, Jacob and Esau has not yet been born. But in Genesis 25, they were born and even feuded with one another. And Jacob ended up with Esau's birthrights. <laughs> but now we're in Genesis chapter 26 and I don't, it doesn't appear that they've even been born. And this is why I keep saying to us, Genesis is not in chronological order, folks. 
It goes back and forth in several places. And here's one of those places. Just as Abimelech had spoken to Abraham and appears history is now repeating itself like father, like son. And some people say the apple don't fall too far from the tree. So here it is. Isaac is doing what his daddy did. And Abimelech called Isaac and said, behold, of a surety, this is your wife. How sayest thou she is my sister? And Isaac said unto him, because I say, lest I die for her. Abimelech called Isaac out for what he had done in deceiving him. And so he says, what is this you have done unto us? One of the people might lightly have lain with your wife, and thou shouldest have brought guiltiness upon us. So even in what appeared to Isaac and even what appeared to Abraham as a ungodly people who had no fear of him, both of them were wrong. They had some integrity. The first Abimelech said, out of the integrity of my heart, I didn't touch this man's wife. I didn't do anything. She wouldn't have been in my house if he hadn't said she was my sister. So I'm innocent. I mean, this is a conversation he's having with the Almighty. He says, I know. Father says, I know. But if you touch him, you're a dead man. Now get a man back, his wife, and then he's going to pray for you. <laughs> like, man, I can imagine. Abimelech says, wow. Now, the man that lied to me, he has deceived me, and now I need his prayer? <laughs> it's like the last person you will pray for you is somebody who lied to you and deceived you, right? When I look at it from the, the literal point of view, it tickles me at times. And then it just says, our knowledge of the Most High is just unfathomable. <laughs> His ways are not our ways. And I'm continually reminded of his ways are just not our ways. Verse 11, and Abimelech charged all his people saying, he that touched this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. And here's where the blessings of obedience continue. Because again, even though Isaac obeyed the almighty and father blessed him, Isaac still deceived the king out of fear. It's not that he was a, a deceiving person. is He was looking at the fact that he's dealing with people that are just not, from his perspective, godly. Now, this may be a stretch, but you know that even within the Torah, there is a difference in how you treat those who are part of the brotherhood and the world is as if there's one Torah for all of Israel, but within that Torah it says, you know, the brothers, the people who are living in accordance to these commands, you can loan them money, but you can't charge them interest. Now the people who are outside of this covenant, you can charge them interest to the money you loan. See, that's two different ways of dealing with people within the covenant and people outside the covenant. That doesn't mean that we can deceive and, and lie because Messiah has made it very clear. We shouldn't be lying. We shouldn't be deceiving. No deception should be a part of us. No guile should be found in us. But when we know the commands, we know the laws, then we know where the lines are. And it's important to know where the lines are so you don't cross them. Now, some people don't even want you to get close to the line. 
But do you know you can come all the way up to the line? Father don't have a problem with you coming up to the line, right? Some folks said, oh, man, you need to stay 10 feet away from the line. You need to stay at least five kilometers away from the line. That way, that's called putting a fence around. You know, it's like, I'm going to give you some laws to restrict you within the laws. <laughs> it's going to confine you. So we're going to add, you see. We're going to add. And this is where people get confused is by what they see, what they hear, what they taught versus what is written. And so Isaac sowed in that land and received in the same year a hundredfold. Now, because we don't have timelines, I had in my own mind, it's okay. How close was this? Was this during the famine? Was it after the famine? When Isaac sowed, did he sow during the famine and reap? Because it's not clear here. Now, the assumption is that he sowed during the famine because a famine is mentioned. But there's some other things that have happened because the Bible opens up. It says there was a famine in the land. But then this is the, the verse, verse eight, that generated the question. And it came to pass when he had been there a long time, you see. So this is after it mentioned the famine, he's, he's in Gerah. And after he'd been there a long time, without saying how long a time it was and whether the famine was still going on or if, or if it had passed. So again, we don't know. So he sowed. And with that, I want to bring out additional blessings for obeying the commandments of Jehovah concerning Isaac. And I believe that these things are written for our example, because just as I've heard preachers, I've been in services, I've been in services, brothers and sisters, where they're teaching. And these are the kinds of services that have the thousand dollar line, the $500 line, the hundred dollar line, and whatever you got in your pocket line <laughs> kind of ministry. And they use this passage. You're going through a difficult time. Listen, are you experiencing a famine? And they'll use Isaac sold. Even in famine. Isaac sold when things were, was rough. He, he probably maxed out his credit card. Because this anointing that we're under right now, you don't want to miss this anointing. And you may be going through, but this is a time to sow. And it's like, you know what? It's amazing how people who reject the Torah use the Torah to line their pockets. Just like the tithe. I say to the church, church, listen, if you reject the Torah, if you reject the law, you got no business asking people to tithe. Tithing is in the law. Tithing is a law. It's a commandment given to the Jews. But the church has no problem using them Jews' commandments when it comes down to money, but then reject all the other stuff. Come on, well, you know, if you keep one law, if you try to keep one of those laws, you, under, you, you fall from grace. Well, the churches fall from grace asking people to tithe. Take that. 
Yeah, now, nah, brother, there you go, twisting the word. Well, you find one place in the New Testament where people were commanded to give tithe. Not one. It's not there. Isaac sowed. So here's some additional blessings. Isaac sowed in the land Jehovah had led him to, and in the same year received a hundredfold return. Two, Isaac was blessed by Jehovah. Jehovah blessed him. Three, Isaac waxed great. In other words, he prospered. How was his prosperity? He possessed flocks. He possessed herds. He possessed many servants. In other words, he prospered so much, people envied him. People envied him. You know, it's something how today people look at wealthy people and envy them. They want to try to be like them or, you know, don't let Facebook say Bill Gates is giving, you know, everybody who passed this post on, you know, $500,000. How many of those posts you've seen? <laughs> right? <laughs> they used Bill Gates. At what point it used to be Donald Trump. Folks wanted, you know, it was amazing, you know, looking back that during the time of the elections back in 2016, there was some reports that were made, especially in Ebony and Black Entertainment, BT, where they were talking about that Donald Trump was mentioned in more rap videos than any other person. He was the icon of the rap world. He was the playboy. He was the guy who flew around in helicopters. He was the guy who was wealthy. He was rich. And he hung out in the clubs. And he hung out with the athletes and the, the wrestlers. And, you know, he had the, the what do you call him, uh, Miss America and Miss USA and Miss Universe. And, and he had all that stuff going on. And the rappers rapped about our current president before he was president. Because of his Playboy lifestyle. They looked to that, to be like that. And when I heard that, it was, it's amazing. More rap artists, more rap videos, more songs written with him in it than any other person, which is amazing. And so people were envious, people are jealous. And, and, and when you prosper, when you begin to prosper, when Father bless you or prosper you, you know, prosperity period will cause people to be envious, to be jealous, you see. And I can tell you this, that all the, pros all the people who are prosperous are not being prosperous because of their relationship, obedience to the Almighty. Prosperity principles can be operational by anybody. Having faith in Yeshua and keeping the commandments of the Almighty is not necessarily going to make you prosperous unless you put the work in focused on prospering. <laughs> and this is where Joshua, when he wrote in chapter 1, he says, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. But you shall meditate therein day and night that you may observe to do all 
that is written therein, then you shall make your way prosperous and you will have good success. But how many of you know prosperity and success for one person is not the same as prosperity and success for another person? The key of prosperity and the key of success is not letting your success or your prosperity control or rule you. You should be the same person, prosperous as you were when you weren't prosperous. You see, it shouldn't change who you are. Money shouldn't change you. Resources shouldn't change you. Now, it may make you want to hire security. <laughs> you see, why? Because of envious people. See, when you got stuff, people who want your stuff will try to figure out how to get your stuff without doing what you did to get it. Verse 13 and 14. And the man, the man waxed great, Isaac, and went forward and grew until he became very great. For he had possession of flocks and possessions of herds and great store of servants, and the Philistines envied him. And this is the last of, this is as far as we're going to go in this particular teaching. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. You can find more inspirational teachings and download our free ebooks on our ministry website at arthurbaileyministries.com. Please follow us on Facebook at House of Israel Arthur Bailey Ministries, on Instagram at Apostle Arthur Bailey, on Twitter at Apostle Bailey, and you can subscribe to our YouTube page at Apostle Arthur Bailey One. If you're in the Charlotte area, please come and fellowship with us. We'll do our best to make you feel right at home. Our address is on our website at the About link under Contact Us. Again, thank you for joining us, and until next time, Shalom Saints.